Good morning, church. How is everybody? Okay, that was great worship, right? What is that? That's crazy. Um, Well, my name is Michelle. I am the family pastor, and I have been given the amazing opportunity to share with you today. So I'm going to be sad for just a minute, and then I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to be okay. So yesterday, we moved our baby girl into college. Now, (laughs) mind you, this is our one and only baby. The baby that took us six years to have, okay? So, now she's right here in town at ORU. She's actually even here this morning. (laughs) But it's not the same. It's just not the same, people. So, everybody, when I tell them, oh, she's right here in town, they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, uh, yes, it is. It is a very big deal. Um, Because this phase of life with her is over. You know what I mean? And um, she's not going to be in that room. That room that is right around the corner from our room. She's not going to be there. And our house is not going to be filled with singing all the time. Singing. We're already missing that singing. But we know that she is going to do amazing. Um, She's going to do great at school. We know that she loves Jesus with all her heart. She's going to do awesome. And parents that have been there, Rodney and I are going to be okay, right? All right, we're going to be okay, Rodney. He cries more than I do, so we're, we're, we're in this together. But I just want to give you some context. If I'm a little overly emotional today, I got a lot of feelings going on, a lot of thoughts. So I'm going to try to rein it in. I'm really excited about this message that the Lord um, gave me for today. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right in, okay? All right, let's do it kid style. Hands out wide, fold them in the middle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you that we can already sense your presence in this room. Father God, I pray that you would prepare the heart of every single person. Lord, I believe that this message is for kids all the way through adults. So Lord, just open our ears and our hearts that we may truly hear what you want to say to us today, Lord. May I just be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, everybody said? All right, so... Who's been in here when I've taught before on a Sunday? You probably are getting used to the fact that I usually have some crazy props and stuff. Today is scaled down a little bit. It's not quite as crazy. This is actually a message primarily for our older students and um, adults, so be ready for that. But I tried to teach in the way that I teach where I feel like you'll really get something out of it. So, um, but I want to make sure you guys are awake and ready. So we're going to play a little Bible trivia, good old-fashioned Bible trivia to get us ready. So I got to wear the gold jacket for this if we're going to play some Bible trivia. Now, I don't know if they were really the greatest today, but they did it, and they did awesome, right? How many, did anybody out in the audience know all 10 questions? Anybody? I know Hess did. Anybody else? <laughs> all right, very nice, very nice. All right, well, we're gonna jump into our lesson. You guys have been going through the story of Jesus, and so we are now up today in Matthew chapter 18. And so this is what happens. We find the disciples arguing and asking Jesus, who is the greatest? Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of put the disciples up on a pedestal. Anybody else do that? Like, well, they're the disciples. They're like the chosen 12. It's kind of hard for me to imagine that they're standing around arguing over who is the greatest. I'm like, you're the disciples, guys. But they are in this passage. And they are human. And I know that that can tend to be our tendency to want to know 
who is the best. We all strive for being the best at whatever we do, the greatest, the goat, right? And so that's what these disciples are doing. Now, back in chapter 17, we witness the transfiguration. Can you guys say transfigurations? I know you're awake. And Josh taught on that last week. And do you remember who was there at the transfiguration? We had Moses and Elijah and Jesus. So I'm guessing that after these disciples saw that, they're thinking Jesus is going to answer their question with who's the greatest by maybe saying, it's me, Jesus, or maybe it's Moses, or maybe it's Elijah, since they just um, experienced that. But my personal opinion, what I think they're really after here, I think they're really going for which one of them is the greatest. Because think about these disciples. They didn't have much status-wise, right? Like they, they really are like living on nothing. They, most of them are fishermen. And so they're looking for some recognition right now. Like we may not have much, but tell us at least which one of us is gonna be the greatest in your kingdom. Because that's something we can hang our hat on. Like I'm the best, right? But you'll soon see that none of them, nor Moses, nor Elijah is the answer. So let's look, um, Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. Otherwise, we're gonna have our verses up on the screen. And we're gonna start uh, Matthew 18 and be looking at verses one through four today. So verse one says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So here, picture it in your mind. The disciples are standing around and they're asking Jesus, who's the greatest, right? And I don't know, have any of you guys, any chosen fans out there, you like to watch The Chosen? Rodney and I really have enjoyed watching that a lot. And one of the things I like about the show is you can kind of get an idea of a possible interpretation of these personalities of the disciples. And I really enjoy that. I'm like, oh, that's how they saw him in real life, right? And so when I watch that show, I love Peter. I mean, I love his impulsiveness. I love his stubbornness. I mean, I love it all. And I'm sure in this moment, when they're asking who is the greatest, can't you just picture Peter? Peter's like, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me, right? He's like, it's gotta be me. I'm sure you're gonna say I'm the greatest. And everybody in this moment is shocked by Jesus's response because he says he calls a little child over and puts the child among them. I want you to think about this. Back then, children are not like children are today, okay? They wouldn't even have been included in this conversation or really even around where Jesus was speaking. They would pretty much have been the least of the least, like really lower than a servant or at least on that level. Children in that day, believe it or not, they were really regarded more as property than individuals. So put that in your mind. So he's saying someone that they think of as property going to be the greatest, right? Children back then were, it was understood that they were to be seen, but not heard. And Jesus puts this kid right in the middle of them when they ask this big pointed kind of heated question. 
Now, the first thing I want you to notice is Jesus's accessibility to this child. Like he's, it's just, he just picks them up and he puts them right there. So we know that that was important to him to be around them. He puts this kid right in the middle. He doesn't put the child there for the disciples to make fun of him. He doesn't put them there even for the disciples to ask questions. He puts the child there for them to learn from the child. And so then Jesus goes on in verse three, he says, truly I tell you. Now we find this phrase a lot in scripture. Sometimes you'll see he'll say, I tell you the truth. And sometimes Jesus says, truly I tell you. And to me, that's just Jesus like, pay attention. This is going to be good. We see this over and over in scripture. So he's saying, this is important, pay attention. So let's make sure we got the stage here, okay? The disciples are hoping that one of their names is gonna be called as the greatest, right? And not only does that not happen, Jesus puts his kid right in front of him. And don't you know at this point, they are all intrigued. Like, hmm, maybe even some head scratching. Like, what is this all, how is this all going to go down? And then he tells them they are to change and become like little children to even enter the kingdom of heaven. So not only does he not name anyone, but he also says, now you got to change and be like this kid. And they're probably like, what? What is he talking about? Now, I'm not sure, um, but if I took time to poll everybody in this room, I'm quite sure that we would have different opinions on children. Amen? Some people love kids. They love all kinds of kids. It doesn't matter if they're theirs or not theirs. Other people are like, if it's my kid, I really like it. I, I like my child, okay? And other people are like, children are really kind of annoying, and I really want to avoid them. I'm done with that phase, and I want to go on. And I get that. But however you feel about children, Jesus says they are the greatest. And if we want to enter heaven, we are to be like them. Now, I'm just going to be honest. For me, I absolutely love this passage of scripture because I love kids. I have always loved kids. Do you guys know the only job I've ever had in my entire life is working with children? No fast food, no clothing store, no nothing. I've only worked with kids. When I was in high school, our church had a childcare facility after school every day. So I would go from three to six every single day, Monday to Friday. I taught the three-year-olds and I taught my three-year-olds the ABCs, which I thought was really impressive. And I did it by them gluing Cheerios in the shape of the letter and we'd talk about it and touch it. Now at the time, I didn't know I was teaching them using tactile learning. I just thought, I was 16 and they were three and they were getting it and that was great, right? And then I went to college at OBU and I worked at another childcare facility and it was called Love and Stuff. And the love was L-U-V. This was definitely a cute little mom and pop childcare facility. And then I became a teacher and then a children's pastor and now I'm the family pastor. And so I love kids of all ages, birth all the way through teens. I love my students. I love my job getting to work with you guys. I just love them. Now, you guys know when kids are really young, my dry erase bird went away. (laughs) When kids are very young, they don't desire authority. They're free from malice. They're teachable. They're dependent on their parents. So what I wanna do real quickly Sorry, I did not make all my 
stuff real clear. So what I wanna do, we're just gonna yell out just like old school teaching time, okay? I want you guys to tell me some words that you think of when you hear the word children. What are some adjectives or describing words that you think of when you think of kids? Just holler them out. What? Loving, okay, I heard that. Messy. Hugs and kisses. Needy. Laughter, I like it. Fun. Energetic. What else? Small, okay, in size, yes. Dirty diapers. I don't think Jesus was talking about dirty diapers. I'm not even sure they had diapers back then. Funny, do we have funny yet? We have fun, we'll have funny. Expensive. Okay, about two more. Stinky, we got, we got diapers. What? Loud. Cute, innocent, I got loud. (laughs) Coming from Rod that has three children that were loud when they were younger. I love it. All right, now, this is pretty good. Some of these I think Jesus was referring to when he's talking in this passage. Some of these, maybe not so much, I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you some of the things that I love about kids and some of them are on your list that you guys came up with as well. I love kids' curiosity. I love their enthusiasm for life. I love their love of learning. I love they're not afraid to try new things. They're eager. I love their compassion. I love the sparkle in their eye. I love their giggles. I love their big eyes that are full of awe and wonder. I love the fact that when they learn about Jesus, I want you to hear this, they are inquisitive, but they also just believe. Like it's not hard for them, we make it hard. When they read or hear that Jesus loves them just the way they are, they accept it and they believe. When they hear that Jesus died for their sins, they believe that that is true. I absolutely love children's sense of awe and wonder. And I think that's why I don't struggle that much as an adult with fear and anxiety, because I just never really grew out of my childlike faith. Um, I do sometimes, but it's not like a big thing for me. That's probably why I relate so well to kids and students, right? I usually can just trust Jesus and I rely on him and I try not to worry or doubt too much. Praise the Lord that I can look to the kids and the students in my ministry right here and learn that from them. For example, I just wanna put this in perspective for you if you're thinking about kids versus adults, okay? Last Sunday was pop-up Sunday. And that's the term that we've named when we pop kids up to the next grade level. So when we promote them up from kindergarten to first grade or from ninth grade to 10th grade, we call it pop-up Sunday. And so in honor of that, we got a popcorn truck because we were popping it. We thought popcorn would be fun. And Nicole, our preschool ministry leader, texted me the next day on Monday. She has a little boy named Jeremiah, who's two, just the cutest thing ever. And she texted me and she was like, Jeremiah loved the popcorn truck. She said, he has not stopped talking about the popcorn truck. Talked about the whole next day. 
So cute. I want you to think about this as an adult. Jeremiah wasn't worried about how much the truck cost. Jeremiah wasn't worried about whether the people were happy with their popcorn. He wasn't worried whether everybody got popcorn. Were they gonna run out? Was there gonna be enough? He wasn't worried that it blocked their drive-through and that probably frustrated some people. They couldn't drive their car all the way through. No, he was just happy. He was at church with his friends and he got popcorn off of a truck. That is kids. So I want you to think of that. As adults, we can start to lose that sense of awe and wonder, particularly when it comes to Jesus. We can doubt or question and ask, why has all of this happened? It's not necessarily a bad thing. God is okay with us taking our doubts and concerns to him. But I also think that there is a time and a place that we can learn from the kids and just be in awe and wonder of God and how amazing he is. I think that's part of what Jesus is getting at in this passage. You got just a second. Many times as adults, we have lived some life. You guys know what I mean when I say some life, right? And living that life begins to harden our hearts. And I'm gonna give you guys a little visual this morning um, for what living that life can do, okay? Go ahead, Mr. Ryan. Got our little cardboard Jesus today because I don't have Jesus in the flesh today. So this is gonna be our representation. We're gonna put Jesus right here. And um, I want you guys just, I'm a really visual learner. So I think this will be a good picture for you to think about What happens to us, the older we get, even teenagers, you can start to do this. Even upper elementary, I'm seeing it now after COVID and the stress and the worry. So I want everybody to pay attention to this and really think about where you are at in relation to this, okay? So when these things in life happen, we can start to build up walls around us. Now, they're not physical walls like this, right? They're invisible, but they're emotional walls that we think we put these walls up and they're going to protect us. But here we see Jesus, right? Jesus is our ultimate of who we wanna be close to. We wanna have a close, intimate relationship with him. But what happens is we can start to build up these walls where we don't solely put our trust and hope and dependence like a very, very young child does. So for example, we might go through hurt. We might've been betrayed by someone. And I want you to reflect and think if you've been through any of these things. We might be dealing with some unforgiveness in our life. Maybe we've gone through a divorce. Maybe we've gone through abuse. Maybe we've recently, or sometime in the last little bit, we've gone through death of a loved one. This is something I think a lot of us struggle with. Sometimes we can feel overlooked and overshadowed, unappreciated. Sometimes we deal with financial difficulties. Some people have actually been hurt by God's church. That's one of the worst hurts is when the church hurts us. And sometimes we've had so much of this wall and so much hurt that we can actually develop an addiction that helps us try to cope with that in our own strength. We can deal with worry, stress, anxiety. This can lead to depression. We can have relationship troubles. We can feel like we are unworthy. Sometimes we deal with sickness or a long time sickness. 
And I'm sure a lot of us deal with times of loneliness. Now you see how this works. The more life we live, the higher and the stronger these walls can be built up. And before we know it as adults, we can begin to question everyone and everything, even about our own faith and Jesus who loves us the most. We can become self-reliant, closed off, angry, resentful, not at all like the joyful child full of awe and wonder, utterly dependent on Jesus. I believe that we must redeem our innocence. We have to recognize that we need Jesus. I believe that we have to break down these walls and give it over to Jesus by looking to the children and being utterly dependent on Christ alone. We have to be humble, dependent, and in awe of Jesus. Now I want us to look back at this passage one more time so it's really fresh in your mind. Matthew 18, one through four says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling us that we must be like little children. He's calling us to that childlike faith that is humble and just believes and is in awe and wonder of him. Now I asked some of our students to tell us this answer to this question. Who is Jesus and what does he mean to you? I want you to take a look. the son of God and he means to me that he is my comforter and helps me through tough things. Hi, my name is Blakely Copsey. I'm in fourth grade and Jesus is the son of God and our savior. He means to me that he'll always be by my side if I'm like lonely, sad, or upset. My name is Jack and I'm in the fifth grade. Jesus is the Messiah. He's patient. I am Bryson Hewitt and I am in sixth grade. Jesus is God's one and only son who died on the cross to save our sins. What does he mean to me is he helps me feel not alone when I am. I am David and I am going into 
seventh grade. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Messiah and the one-way trip to God. Jesus means to me, he means truth, life, and hope. My name's Jocelyn, I'm in eighth grade, and I think that Jesus is love. And to me, he is comfort and joy, and he brings me peace through hard times. My name is Riley, and I'm going into ninth grade. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. What Jesus means for me is peace that makes no sense. My name's Caitlin Stevens, and I'm going into 10th grade. Jesus is my defender and my protector. He protects me even when I'm going through the darkest things, and because of him, I know that I'm never alone. My name's Lainey Clark, and I'm in 11th grade. Jesus is king to me. He is my savior and my shepherd and my best friend. My name's Abby Stevens, and I'm going into 12th grade. Jesus is the light of the world, and he is hope in the darkness. Jesus to me, in the darkest moments of my life, he is a light at the end of the tunnel. He's my comforter, and um, he's my hope. My name is Joseph Graver, and I just completed the 12th grade. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is also God in human form. He is a representation of God that was sent down Earth. Jesus means salvation, and Jesus means that I am able to be connected with God. Jesus means pretty much everything is about Jesus. That would just mean that we get eternal damnation and we just die in our life. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Love it. Now, did you see kind of a common theme, especially when we got, as the kids got older and older, we heard a lot of, he's my rock, he's my refuge, he's there in times of trouble. All of the things that we're talking about that we build up the walls for, the students and the kids know that Jesus is there. So I want to ask you today the same questions. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he your Lord and Savior? Do you need a dose of humility? Where have you built a wall? What brick might you start to have between you and Jesus? What does Jesus mean to you? Are you in complete awe and wonder of him? The worship team is going to come and lead us, and I want you to really take this time this morning and respond. It really doesn't do any good if we just hear a message and it just goes right out. So we're going to use this worship time. I want you to begin to reflect and think, and I want you to really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I want you to ask yourself, is there a start of a wall or something right now that is between you and Jesus? Because we want to get rid of that. We want to give that over to the Lord. Is there an area in your life that you're lacking that childlike faith, the complete awe and wonder of Jesus? Now, Mr. Rodney and I are gonna be down front, and I just I know it's just something simple, but it's symbolic. We've got some bricks if you want to come down and take one. And we want you to take that if you want to as a symbol and a token that on this day, you're going to remember this and you're going to give whatever in your life over to God, whether you're starting to build a wall between you and Jesus that needs to be broken down, if you're dealing with any anger or resentment, or you're just not in awe and wonder of Jesus anymore, and you want that fresh renewing of that childlike faith. You can take a break and go right back to your seat and pray and worship, but as always, our altars are open. You could come and pray, but I just encourage you to give it to Jesus this morning. 
I want you to just pray and think and ponder on that. And I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to lead us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Father God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit being in this room. And Lord, I just pray that right now, Lord, that whatever we are at in our life, Lord, that we would just give it to you. We would lay these walls, we would lay these issues at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.